This is the Evangelical Church of Bermuda's weekly sermon podcast. Thank you for joining us. Here is this week's sermon. Morning, church. Uh, The scripture reading today is Genesis 20. And while you're taking a minute to find your place, I just wanted to encourage you to be active in your faith. We've all been watching what's happened in Ukraine over the last few weeks. And um, I think it's a real opportunity for us to get involved in uh, making our faith active. People estimate that perhaps 5 million Ukrainians are fleeing Ukraine, trying to get to uh, outside the country or to more neutral ground. Many of those won't make it, and they'll end up in temporary camps on roadsides and something not very pleasant. Um, but through this, God, God will... Um, that the gospel will be more attractive to those people than ever before. So how can you get involved? So one way to get involved, if you go to the website of one of our missionary partner organizations, Slavic Gospel Association, and click on Ukraine Update, you'll see there that there's opportunities to give food and warm clothes to those in these kind of camps. And there's also a list of uh, prayer requests for their church planters and, and workers that are still in the Ukraine. So I'd encourage you to to look that up and and, um, participate in the work of Christ in saving those for his kingdom. So, Genesis 20. From there, Abraham journeyed towards the territory of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur, and he sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. Now Abimelech had not approached her, and so he said, Lord, will you kill an innocent people? Did he not himself say to me, She is my sister? And she herself said, He is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I have done this. Then God said to him in the dream, yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart, and it was I who kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now then, return the man's wife, for he's a prophet, so that he will pray for you and you shall live. But if you do not return her, Know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. So Abimelech rose early in the morning and called all his servants and told them all these things. And the men were very much afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, What have you done to us? And how have I sinned against you you that you have brought on me and my kingdom a great sin? You have done to me things that ought not to have been done. And Abimelech said to Abraham, What did you see that you did this thing? Abraham said, I did it because I thought, There is no fear of God at all in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, she is indeed my sister, the daughter of my father, though not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. And when God caused me to wander from my father's house, I said to her, This is the kindness you must do to me. At every place to which we come, say of me, he is my brother. 
Then Abimelech took sheep and oxen and male servants and female servants and gave them to Abraham and returned Sarah his wife to him. And Abimelech said, Behold, my land is before you. Dwell where it pleases you. To Sarah he said, Behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. It is a sign of your innocence in the eyes of all who are with you, and before everyone you are vindicated. Then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, and also healed his wife and female slaves so that they, could, they bore children. For the Lord had closed all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. This is the word of the God of the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we're just so grateful for your word that is trustworthy, active, and powerful. We pray as, as we hear more through the sermon that uh, you would work in our hearts, that it would be active, and it would change our lives. We pray for those who are not able to be here today, this, the, the sick and the, the shut-in that you would undertake for their physical needs and encourage their, their spirits, Lord. And finally, we do pray for Ukraine. We pray that uh, through all of this, um, your name would be lifted up, that people would be reached for the gospel and your purposes would be achieved. We give thanks in Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everyone. Genesis 20, I hope you've got that open. Uh, either in your Bible or on your, on your device. There, there are scholars that believe that this text is, short, is sort of just like a reduplication of chapter 12 when Abraham goes down into Egypt. You remember that? But there's, there's more than enough difference in this passage to allow it to stand as a separate event. But it, but it also helps us to see the, the propensity that we have to return to our, to our old, bad ways. The, the Proverbs put it colorfully like this. Like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. That's a nice picture, isn't it? It's pretty graphic, actually. But it, it is helpful because, you know, you look at a dog doing that and, and immediately, you know, within your, within your soul, you say, don't do that. <laughs> you, you threw that up for a reason. But we tend to repeat our foolishness without the same thought of, don't do that. Right? We, we, we do the same thing. Here's how the Apostle Paul puts it in Romans chapter 7. He says, For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. And, and this, this must be a pretty important thought because he restates it again a couple verses later in verse 19 of chapter 7 in Romans. He says, For I do not do the good I want. But the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. This time, he, he says, not only does he, he do the things he hates, but he keeps on doing those things over and over and over again. 
You, you should be able to relate to this because we all tend to mess up in the same kind of ways over and over and over again. Or to put it in another way, we all have the propensity to repeat our own sins, the same sins. For some of us, it's, it's obvious that we have this tendency. Okay, perhaps you're saying, oh yeah, you're preaching to the choir here. But for others, because their sins seem to be more acceptable, perhaps in their own eyes or in the eyes of the culture around them, they're not even aware of it. And that's why before we get into our text this morning, I want you just to pray in your heart what the psalmist David prays at the end of Psalm 139. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You see, this is, this is not something you want to live in ignorance about because it affects you. It affects the others who are close to you because they've got to put up with you. And most of all, it just robs you of the freedom that you can have by fighting against it and not letting it entangle you. And it robs you of the blessing that you can have in extension to others by dealing with it. So here's how we're going to examine the text this morning, okay? Three, three ways. First, transitions that, that can trigger you. Transitions that can trigger you. Secondly, mark it, but don't let it mark you. Mark it, but don't let it mark you. And thirdly, the cycle can be broken. The cycle can be broken. So let's talk about that first point. Transitions that can trigger you. Abraham had gotten really comfortable living by the oaks of Mamre. All right, he'd been living there since the separation of heaven lot way back in chapter 13. The Oaks of Mamre, it kind of sounds like a, like a ritzy, gated community. And maybe to Abraham, that's what it sort of was. He was comfy there. And Abraham received the covenant from the Lord there, as well as the sign of the covenant. And he was visited by angels there. And, and the Lord himself had a talk with him about Sodom and what was going to happen, brought him inside, gave him insider information. So this is, this is like a really good space for Abraham. He likes this spot. He feels, it's, he's, been long in, he's been long enough in that spot that he feels safe and secure. But God didn't want Abraham to live in one spot in the promised land. He wanted him to move around. The Lord told Abraham back in chapter 13, when he received the covenant, arise, 
Walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So now we finally see Abraham journeying on in chapter 20. We don't, we don't know if he's actually obeying the Lord or not, or just needed new grazing land for his livestock. But regardless, he's on the move now. Now, most moves to us don't seem dangerous. But that wasn't the case during this time period. You, you were putting yourself at risk because you didn't know what you were moving into. You could get, you could get attacked by someone who, who maybe thought that they could overpower you. And people often lived in in alliance with one another, those around them, so that they would have strength in numbers. Abraham doesn't have that. He's got to trust God. The same thoughts were going through his head when he went down to Egypt. He came up with this plan to say his wife was his sister so that he wouldn't get killed by the men that might desire her. He lies for self-preservation. Really, that's the basic reason why we all lie, self-preservation. His lie ends up with his wife being taken and him profiting from it. He is definitely awarded the worst husband award, hands down. Here in chapter 20, we have the same sort of thing happening again. But do you see what the common trigger to this bad, sinful action is? Maybe you noticed it. The trigger for Abraham is the transition of a place of, of familiar comfort toward the uncertain or the unknown. This chapter shows us that this tactic of Abraham, you know, saying his wife was his sister, started before Egypt. And, and we know that because of what we, because of a little hint in the text in verse 13 of chapter 20. And when God caused me to wander from my father's house, I said to her, this is the kindness you must do to me at every place to which we come, say of me, he is my brother. But did, did you notice that first part? And when God caused me to wander from my father's house. See, Abraham had this idea way back in Haran. Right? That, remember, they moved from Ur to Haran. And when he left his father, because his father had left him, his father died. When he left his father's house, this is where he came up with it, because he was going into the unknown. Same sort of scenario, right? He was leaving the comfort of the familiar to the possible danger of the unknown. This trigger always seems to put Abraham into self-preservation mode. And that is the pattern we clearly see here with Abraham. But what is your transition that triggers your sinful responses. 
Maybe it's something as simple as when your routine gets disrupted. So you start getting short with everyone close to you. Or maybe you just get short with the people that, that you feel most comfortable with. Or you get short with the people that you think caused this disruption in your life. And then eventually things kind of settle down again, back into your routine. And you realize that you've been a jerk. So you say a sorry. And you move on until your routine gets disrupted again. And instead of learning from it, you just repeat it over and over and over again. There could be a million different examples, but, but you have specific things that trigger you toward the evil that you don't want to do, but just can't seem to stop doing it. Just like Abraham. So what is the evil that you keep coming back to? There is something that triggers that. What is it? Knowing is half the battle. We need to examine ourselves. So let's go back to Abraham. Abraham repeats this evil, this time involving not Pharaoh, but Abimelech, king of Gerar. Nothing is, is mentioned here about Sarah's beauty this time as the cause for Abraham's tactic. She is 90 now, but, but so either, either, she's, either she's a silver fox or there's something at play here, something else. During, during this time, it appears that, that lifespan seems to be about double of what we've got right now. So that would put Sarah at an equivalence of someone in their late 50s today. Okay, that seems a little, more, a little more reasonable, I think. But there is also another reason for kings to marry, to obtain more power and wealth. Remember, Abraham is very rich. He's rich with livestock. He's rich with servants. So perhaps Abimelech is thinking in that direction. Hey, I can get myself a brother-in-law here. He's, he's wealthy. I, I get in on the family. Win-win. Whatever the case, Abraham, in fear, has sacrificed his wife again to preserve himself. So Abimelech is visited by God in a dream, pronouncing his, his death for taking Sarah. And Abimelech says, whoa, 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 whoa. He, he pleads his innocence, like, I didn't know. And God agrees with him. Yeah, that's right, you didn't know. Verse 6 is really interesting. Look at, look at verse 6. Then God said to him in the dream, yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart. And it was I who kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. That's interesting. God tells Abimelech that it was not his own doing that kept him from consummating the marriage, right, by sleeping with Sarah, but God kept 
him from doing it. God did that. What a great reminder of hope that is for us. We may have a tendency to go in evil directions, but, but God in his mercy can keep us from that. That's especially hopeful if, if there are certain ways that we just keep repeating over and over again, and it's, and it's getting worse, it's building. Abimelech summons Abraham and returns Sarah, but Abraham does not seem to learn much here from this second return of his wife from another man. And this leads us to our next point. Mark it, but don't let it mark you. Mark it or, or remember it. Remember the evil way and the trigger that brought you back to it. But do so not to give yourself an excuse, but to help you avoid it the next time. Listen to all the questions that, that Abimelech fires toward Abraham in, in verses 9 and 10. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, What have you done to us? And how have I sinned against you that you have brought on me and my kingdom a great sin? You have done to me things that ought not to be done. And Abimelech said to Abraham, What did you see? that you did this thing. So, so Abraham's getting rebuked here by, with, with Abimelech's questions. And, and what a great last question by Abimelech. What, what did you see that you did this thing? This is such a gift of a question that, that if Abraham really took it to heart and, and considered it, he could, he could have seen what triggered him toward this evil way. But Abraham's response reveals a lot of what went on in his head and the pattern, and the pattern that we should not follow when we find ourselves entangled in the same evil that we tend to keep doing. I don't believe Abraham took this question as the gift that it really was. Because here's his response. Verses 11, 12, and 13. Abraham said, I did it because I thought there is no fear of God at all in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, she is indeed my sister, the daughter of my father, though not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. And when God caused me to wander from my father's house, I said to her, This is the kindness you must do to me. At every place to which we come, say of me, he is my brother. So we basically see three things in these verses that we want to avoid. Because he, did, he didn't take this question like he should have taken it as the gift it was. The first thing we see, and, and they're, they're perfectly spaced out with verses too. So the first thing is verse 11, it's assumptions. There's no fear of God in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. All right, this, this is what he thought, and, and what you think eventually drives your actions. But we see that his thoughts are wrong. 
See, Abimelech was capable of fearing God. And further, he seems to have a high view of marriage and would not have knowingly taken another man's wife. See, when we, when we find ourselves triggered to go down our old paths of evil, we come up with reasons or assumptions that help us go down that road. Like maybe, maybe you regularly lie to customs, you know, the customs officers, because you tell yourself, everybody does it. But that's not true. That's not true. Everybody doesn't do it. And that leads to the next verse and tendency. Verse 12, self-justification. Besides, she is, my sis she is indeed my sister, the daughter of my father, though not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. He's trying to hide behind a half-truth, isn't he? Further, he is using that half-truth to justify why he went down this road in the first place and over and over in the past. Well, she really is my half-sister, so technically it's not a lie. So, you know, it's, this isn't really that bad. Yeah, it is that bad you're sacrificing your wife for your own preservation. We, we all try to justify our actions instead of seeing our fault. We don't like to be at fault. And that's why we self-justify. We all, we all try to do this. This practice, though, is never helpful. It's never helpful. How could it be helpful to try to find ways to justify your wrong actions? It's not helpful to you to try to stop them, and it's not helpful to the one on the other side of them. Third thing, verse 13, identity. When God caused me to wander from my father's house, I said to her, this is the kindness you must do to me at every place to which we come. Say of me, he is my brother. I picture Abraham kind of thinking or saying in his mind, look, Abimelech, this, this is what I've always done since, since God caused me to start this wandering thing. It's not my fault. It's, it's just what I have to do. You do the same thing if you were in my shoes. I, this, is, this is sad when, when we turn the evil that we do into a part of who we are that we cannot be separated from. This is when we feel the hopelessness of our situation. When we land here, we are saying there is no hope. And, and you've done this, or maybe you've heard this before. You blame your evil ways on your, on your upbringing, or you blame your evil ways on your ethnicity. There is, there is truth 
to be found in the past regarding how we, how we operate in the present. But we have to choose to learn from it and not let it define us indefinitely. When we mark our evil that we tend to do, we need to work on separating it from who we are. We can't feed it with assumptions. We, 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 can't, we can't nourish it with self-justification. And we certainly can't let it define us. But there is hope. There is hope. The cycle can be broken in you. In, in light of this failure that we see in Abraham's life again, we also see hope. God rescues Sarah again. God provides more riches to Abraham again, this time through Abimelech. God still holds Abraham up as an intercessor. Right? Go, go to Abraham, he'll pray for you and bring you blessing. He still, gets, he still gets to be part of the covenant. He still gets to bring blessing to others. You see, God remains true to the covenant he swore on his own life to make Abraham a blessing to the nations. That's what he's doing. We are told that God had closed all the wombs of Abimelech's house because of Sarah. God tells Abimelech that Abraham will pray for him to be healed. And when Abraham prays for him, he's healed from whatever he was stricken with, and all the wombs in Abimelech's house are opened again. What, what grace the Lord shows to Abraham. He shows how he can open the closed womb and make it fruitful again. That is exactly the hope that Abraham needs in his situation moving forward toward the promise of a son with his 90-year-old wife, Sarah. Further, this repeating sin did not change God's view of Abraham. The liar is still loved. I, I think we often have in our mind that, that God loves us because of our potential for him. Right? So, we, so we better shape up. And, and with that is sort of, there must be sort of a like three strikes and you're out kind of thing with God, right? That is not true with the Lord. But if, if we are struggling with, with evil, evil that we keep coming back to again and again, this, this false thought crushes us. That somehow we've, we've expended all God's grace. That somehow, okay, I guess I didn't have the potential that God hoped for. And so it leaves us 
hopeless. I want to remind you that God loves us because he has chosen to love us through Christ Jesus. God's love for those in Christ is based on promise, not performance. This gives us a new and and better motivation to, to break the cycles of repetitious evil in our life. Right? We, we, we want to break it not because we're trying to, to reach God, but because he has already reached us by his grace through Christ Jesus. Right? We're, we're trying to break it not because he will, he will cut us off if we don't, but because in Christ, he will never cut us off. He was cut off so that we could be grafted in. No one can pluck us out of his hand. We we want to get rid of these repetitious evil ways, not because we want his love, but because we already have the gift of his steadfast love that endures forever. That's, that's the truth from the Bible, the word of God. And as our Lord has said, that truth will set you free and bring blessing to you and to those that you are closest with. With Christ, as the psalmist phrases it, we are brought into the way everlasting. Lord, lead us into the way everlasting. Let's pray. One thing we ask of you, O Lord, that will we seek after to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of our life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Father, lead us in the way everlasting. Through Christ and his resurrection power, help us to identify and eradicate these sinful patterns that we struggle with in our lives. Thank you that there is hope. And the hope is found in Christ alone. For we ask in his name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information, check out our website at ecb.bm. Join us again next week for our next podcast.